0: Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host,
1: Rick Howick. Welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Monsignor Dr. Zick, who is the Vicar General for the Diocese of Orange and Therefore, he has a very broad view of what goes on here at the Diocese. Welcome, Monsignor. Thank you very much, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. And I want to thank you for coming. Before we begin anything, though, at this program, we'd like to begin with a word of prayer. Would you be so kind as to pray us in? Absolutely. In
2: the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. We thank you, good and gracious God, for this opportunity to to meet, to speak, to dialogue. We are so grateful for this period of Lent this opportunity to pray and fast and and give alms. We pray that uh, for everybody in their Lenten journeys, no matter where they are, uh, that we may all uh, be strengthened through these good Lenten practices as we prepare very much uh, for the resurrection of the Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the
1: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, this is being taped, and it's no secret that we tape our shows ahead mm-hmm. of time. We don't usually talk about that, but it's kind of interesting today as we come in we're in Lent and we have uh this is a Thursday that we're doing this, and there's food distribution that takes place at the cathedral. Now we'll have a lot more than people now know about it, but it's a stark reminder that there's a great deal of need that's out there. I reflect back on the summer that we had in the cities around the country and the unrest and the anger and the angst that was expressed in the the mobs that took place and Mm -hmm. their somewhat peaceful protests, somewhat burdened-the-place-down protests. And we, of course, are in the middle of a pandemic that has robbed us of hundreds of thousands of lives and have left side effects in many people who are suffering for long periods of time and have created an an atmosphere of fear Mm -hmm. for the whole country, which some of us are finally beginning to come a little bit out of, perhaps from the vaccines that are there. But we're now in Lent, and Lent is a time, I I think especially this Lent, has been a time to reflect on what our lives are about, but also what is Christ about? Mm -hmm. If you think about it for just a moment, when you pull back and you look at the whole world from the 21st century perspective, and all of its modernness. Yet 2,000 years ago, we look at one life event, and it changed the world. And now we come up to Holy Week and Easter. I guess where I want to go with the entire hour Mm -hmm. is, what is the Christ event? Who is Jesus Christ? Why did it have to end the way it did? And then this thing of Easter was so strange if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Why that? So, Doctor Duktorzic, uh, yes, yes. when you were first coming into the—that's th- where I want to go. Sure. Uh, we're not going to talk about. Normally, in your daily, today life, you're dealing with all sorts of tributal issues, and this is more of a meat and potato. Mm-hmm. Why Jesus, and, and what is Jesus really to us?
2: That's a very welcome question, and I don't know if it's something that all of us um, ponder enough. You know, we can get so and we can get involved in our everyday event and. Certainly many are coming to Mass regularly and, and praying. But what does this mean? So it's a, it's a very good question. I don't know how much latitude you're going to give me to answer when I'm going to get all cut you, off. But all, uh,
1: all you want. I just may ask a yeah, clarification. you Please,
2: yeah. So Jesus Christ is, should be everything to us, right? I mean, he should be our Savior. He, in the fullness of time, was born of a virgin. and
1: But why? I want to I ask the, the why question. Why do we need a Savior like that? Why do we need to have God come to us as one of us? Yeah, I mean, well, if we look at the book of Hebrews, we could look at the, at the uh I- examples
2: we have in the Old Testament about th- this idea of sacrifice, right? There was always a sacrifice for the atonement of sins. There was always this understanding that after the sin of Adam and Eve, things were were no longer perfect. Well, I mean, anybody could could see that. Awesome. Right? Then Cain and Abel. I mean, it didn't take long after Adam and Eve's fall for... And we certainly think, add to it all the time. We add to it all the time. But just think of that. And I think maybe to, to preface this, that are, are we going to have the full answer to anything until the next life? Right.
1: In this life we see dimly, but then we'll see face to face. But even dimly, we're we're given a little bit of hope. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we're, I guess we first start with this idea that there really is... A creating god and if we start with that yes. then we would ask the question so why do, does he need to come as one of us the
2: textbook answer would be that none of these other atonement needs to be made we need to you know, things need to be made right with all the sin in the world and there was sorrowful sin sorrow for sin was there not yeah i mean people would say look at david look at psalm 51 how yeah. repentant he was. And we say that every day in our morning prayer on Friday, every Friday. And so there was a, a sorrow for sin at times. Other times people didn't care. It kind of things Yeah, you know, that was the whole Noah of. story, yeah. So that's right, that's <laughs> yeah. right. And this is in, in the fullness of time, you know, Christ being sent, Christ agreeing, you know, one of the second person of the Trinity agreeing. He knew this was his, his full will. I mean, his full assent, at least we could say, with God the Father, that uh, he would be willing to do this. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane he was saying, well, you know, Father, if, it, if it's possible this cup should pass, but not my will, but
1: thine be done. So he came to live a life the way that it ought to be lived. Yes. And then yet there still needed to be sacrifice for sin because the wages of sin is death. We, we lose our life when we turn away from God who is life. Right. So to have that reconciled, a human being who lived a proper life had to sacrifice, and this human being, being God, makes it an, a, an eternal sacrifice That's or an right. infinite
2: sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. So, you yeah, not just anyone, I mean, but this is, and if you think about it, and I, I just remember in theology classes, well, this is debated with, with St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, would, would it have been necessary for Jesus to come if there had been no sin I can't remember what he said. You may know this better than I, but, you know, if there had not been sin in the world, would he have needed to die? Would he still have come? He probably still would have come, but would he have needed to, if there was nothing to atone for, what do we hear about in the, in the exalted for those who may not always um, attend or may not have ever attended the Easter Vigil? This is something that is really the first, you know, exalting, the, the, the first uh, hymn that is sung by a deacon, if, if a deacon is available. Um, at the Easter Vigil Mass as a procession is in with the candles, and very beautiful. Well, there's one line in there that says, you know, oh, happy fault of Adam and this fault. So, yeah, the sin, well, kind of if it weren't for the sin, well, you know, this necessitated, you know, for Christ, Christ to come and change life for all of us. Uh, uh, not only a model to follow and a great man. If we say a great man, that's
1: uh, that's not giving well, him nearly enough credit. But but in a way it is, and in a way it yeah. isn't, because yeah. it, uh, he was the perfect human. Even though, as the perfect human, it's kind of funny. The only descriptions we have of him in Scripture come from like Isaiah, where he says he was he was all beaten up and bruised, so mm-hmm. not handsome. Okay. And then in Revelation, where he's got a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Not exactly your your best description. We never seem described anywhere which kind of conveys to me, who's not exactly, I'm kind of short, fat, and balding, and getting old. It wasn't that he somehow had the the looks to attract him. It was that he was what you should be, a, the good, holy man, mm-hmm. so that we have a model, and yet he was also God, so that we have the possibility of coming back to God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what's wonderful, you mentioned in, in Hebrews... Paul talks about it quite a bit as well. It makes it possible for us to be adopted into the family of God mm-hmm. so that we are then forever can have God, which means this Christ event was actually the mercy of God coming to us from all time. I go back to Genesis where we have sometimes called the, the first gospel, the proto-gospel. Mm-hmm. In the curse there was the blessing. <laughs> yes, yes. Talk yeah. about that for just a moment because you're – At the very moment that Adam sinned, yet there was a promise given to Eve, Mm -hmm. which was an amazing promise that from your seed, which women don't have seed, at least the way they understood it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from your seed would come one who would crush the head of Satan. Right. And that was at the very beginning. And that's the hope that comes to all of
2: us. Yeah. And if we could even take it, I always like to think in a practical level, I mean, how often does that happen even in our lives? I mean, you, you know, from the, a blessing comes from, from a curse. Oh, yeah. And so we can go back to the beginning, you know, the beginning of that early chapter of, of Genesis and see, well, this, this is all, all from the beginning. Yeah, that would have been better had had there been no sin. Well, sure. But, but
1: sometimes we need that two by four to hit us across the head. Yeah. And I remember the children's uh, cartoon, The Lion King, where Rafiki, the wise ape, smacks the the line on the head with a stick Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was to get his attention to remind him of something sometimes you know I, i don't want to reduce the the covid pandemic to something like that but it certainly got our attention one of its effects amongst the many effects that covid has had has been a reminder death is there for all of us are you prepared yeah that's a very good
2: point that's a very good point we're over Uh, at this taping over half a million people they say in the the United United States 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 alone alone. and how have we looked at that and how have we is it translating into a a deeper relationship with Christ especially now this is second lent we've dealt with this right we got through the first couple weeks of the three weeks of the last one yeah where we were
1: going to have two weeks to flatten the curve right (laughs) it's been now a year and and here we are now so it's an
2: excellent reminder
1: You know, and it's one of those things where, when when you read a a a very confusing passage or book like the Book of Revelation, where it Mm -hmm. talks about the end times and all these different things, people think, "How could God be so cruel?" Uh, I'm not so sure that we're reading it right. You know, when we look at how God sometimes works with us, a good, loving parent still disciplines their children because sometimes we need that, Mm -hmm. even if we don't realize it at the moment that we do. And without going to political correctness a whole lot. Sometimes that's an important thing for a child to learn is that, no, there are negative consequences for things. Let me remind you who you are. (laughs) And if we look at Jesus, uh,
2: he wasn't always walking around smiling and, oh, everything is wonderful. I mean, there was a lot of, you look at even, especially during Lent, we read these different gospel readings. I mean, he is very challenging. He's always challenging us. So yeah, he came to die for us. He he expects the best for us. So like a good parent, he is going to place these expectations on us, not to weigh us down unnecessarily, but to bring out, say, the best that we can be, not to be in a secular way, but
1: yeah. as close as we can be to him. Wow. We are talking to Monsignor Dr. Horsik, who is the Vicar General for the Diocese of Orange, and we are talking about the occasion for this is the coming of Easter, but we've been talking about the necessity of Jesus, and what a great little discussion we just had. When we come back, I want to take it to the next step as to why Holy Week what does the passion mean Mm -hmm. and then a little bit later on we'll get into what the resurrection means. you're listening to orange county catholic radio i'm rick howick your host when we come back we'll be talking about holy week and the hope of christ
0: Here's a word of reflection from Christ's Cathedral organist and host of Sounds from the Sanctuary, David Ball. In St. Louis, there used to be these sort of clubs for Eucharistic adoration. It was really people watching the church all night. Each person would take an hour with the blessed sacrament exposed. My parents, we, we used to do this a couple times, and so I remember going to St. Gabriel, the archangel in South St. Louis. It would be one in the morning, and you'd knock on the door, and the one person who was scheduled for that would come out, look through a little peephole, let you in, and then you'd lock your in the church for an hour of stillness and meditation and prayer and whatever. And as a kid, it was interesting. It just introduced the idea of stillness to me at a young age. Catch Sounds from the Sanctuary Saturday nights at 10 on Relevant Radio or find the podcast at OCCatholic.com.
1: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Monsignor Dr. who is the Vicar General for the Diocese of Orange. And we've been talking rather heavily about who Jesus is and why God came as one of us to reunite us back to him. And we really do need that, that as human beings caught up in sin, we needed to have someone conquer sin, face down sin, and come as one of us. And that brings us then to that last week of his life and to Holy Week, mm-hmm. where he comes in triumphantly at, uh, well, I, I guess we've described it anyway as triumphantly at, mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. Oh, okay. And then he, according to the synoptics anyway, that's when he overturns the tables. John has it earlier on, but they all have this confrontation that he has with the authorities, the religious authorities of his day. Mm-hmm. And, I guess it's in the court of the Gentiles, and it's supposed to be where you go to pray. And mm-hmm. instead of praying, that's where they're doing all the business transactions. You do have to have animals, and you do have to change monies. But he was not happy with how they were doing it, and it really ticked off a lot of people. He then leaves. Other than in John, that seems to be a major reason why the Pharisees and the and the, the Sadducees of the temple wanted to get him, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, in John, it has to do with a resurrection, but not his own goes back to, I think, uh, the resurrection of Lazarus, where they start plotting. But both of them see him as a, a challenge to their authority. And so he's killed f- f- out of political intrigue. I think when we look at the the political intrigue of our own country the last couple of election cycles, we can see, yeah, this could get really nasty. Mm-hmm. It got so nasty, it, it cost him his life. But we're not just talking about uh, having your Facebook and Twitter canceled. We're talking about being hung up on a cross after you've been beaten almost to death, and then for three hours dying in agony. Yes. Why did he have to do that?
2: Well, I, I find it interesting as, as a preface, and if it's Pope Benedict, who who's, others have spoken about this too, but that uh, he goes as a hero, as it were, when he's uh. going in on Palm Sunday with the you know the the red carpet practically. Yeah. the Palms are put out in front that, of him. That
1: donkey was how kings came in when they were you know Solomon came in that way. Right. Yeah. And so he was. To use
2: a colloquial, was the cat's meow. I mean, everybody yeah. was so, it seemed, as it was reported, yeah. oh, my gosh, hail and Hosanna in the highest. And they couldn't, this was wonderful until, and then you said that event, they may have had some things in their mind, but it mm. was a very relatively short time that he, he fell turned grace. Upon. Yeah. Yes, it was the popular people, and maybe some of the ones on the inside were against him before he made his triumph on Palm Sunday, triumphal entry but I think that should be mentioned, too, in that relatively short period of time yeah. he was turned upon.
1: It's amazing how fast that can happen. I mean, every once in a while. Right now, as we tape, there's a there's a political story in New York for the, the governor who, mm-hmm. regardless of your political stripe, he had been adulated by a large number of people as this wonderful, wonderful governor. And in the course of a couple of weeks, two major scandals, one having to do with COVID in nursing homes mm-hmm. and the other having to do with his personal life and how he treated people. And he's fallen from grace, and so many people that he thought were his allies have turned against him, very, very quickly. It's kind of a, a, a minor reminder of how quickly that can happen. Not to compare Jesus to, to the right. governor, yes, but.
2: no, no, but yeah, but there's there's a precedent. <laughs> yeah, a precedent.
1: so we we do this, and it's a reminder that you know what are our loyalties and why? Is it because Jesus can do things for us? Are we looking for an eternal uh, an eternal retirement plan? is it are, are we in this for ourselves or do we really love god
2: yeah and i think the answer is it depends on where one is in one's life because i think at certain times i'm doing the, i'm all in for jesus wonderful and can we also at other times well i don't feel like going to mass well i know it's tomorrow's alright i'm going to go i hope i don't fall into that camp <laughs> I, I don't want to get up early for mass um, but um I think it's both ends Obviously, and it's just that you think of making an act of contrition, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about making a, the possibility of making a perfect act of contrition. It's very hard to be sorry for something solely because it offends God, not yeah. because you know, without or I'm not worrying about the right. the other consequences. So, I think this ties into your question that yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's an invitation certainly for us to ponder, to reflect, to examine. You know, why is only because I'm not going to get in trouble. I want to stay out of, you know, eternal damnation, or is it more pure? So we want to, and maybe this is where you're going with it. It probably is, but I mean, this, this whole purification of this period of Lent, we're, we're invited to do, oh, let, let's purify things, including our motives.
1: I, I look at, at Jesus' motives were pure and, and loving. He genuinely loved, mm-hmm. and love, we learn as Catholics, is an action, not a feeling. Our popular culture likes to cultivate the feelings and the hormones, Mm -hmm. but our our Catholic faith teaches us that the mother who gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning because the baby is crying to either check the diaper or make sure the baby's fed, Mm -hmm. she does not want to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning, but she does it anyway because she loves. We have a world where we can turn on each other, where we're cruel to each other, we will beat each other, we'll enslave each other, we'll kill each other, we'll torture them to death on a cross. Jesus confronts all of that, says, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Is conquered by it, only to conquer it.
2: That
1: mm-hmm. now, now, when when someone explained it to me that way, it, it, to let it sink in, he was con- he confronted it, said bring it on. It was conquered by it, mm-hmm. only to conquer it. To say now, this is the down payment. You do the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whoa, <laughs> yeah, that, that's yes. It suddenly leaps out at you. I think when it's explained that way that. It's not that we won't be evil. It's just that God is beyond the evil. So get over yourselves.
2: Yes.
1: Go and do likewise. It, it's it's the whole John, First John and uh, I give you a new commandment: love one another,
2: mm-hmm. for God right. is of love. Right. And if He wanted to stop this, you know, He could have. Right. He had human human will. He could have had a bigger conversation with Pilate, Pontius
1: Pilate. He certainly got into the to the beginnings of it. Mm-hmm. But this was a time. You know, I, I I don't want to go into the weeds with Nietzsche and that type of thing, but his description of of Rome was that it was this you know uber uberman mentality where it was all might makes right, and hmm. you know if you're dead you don't count, so just get on with the dying while the the strong ones will rule, and after all the ends justify the means, mm-hmm. and Jesus came to say that's inside out. It is through loving those who are weak, to empower them towards strength, to give hope to the hopeless, to give. That's what we're called to do, and here you all are doing the opposite. Yeah. Well, do it to me. That's how I see Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way of looking at it? What am I missing in that?
2: I don't know if you're missing anything, because, as I said, he he, he willingly took this upon himself in a very, obviously, a very humble way. He accepted it, not as a, a, a doormat or anything like that. He was very clear in his teachings. He didn't step back. He wasn't necessarily looking not like he was looking to, to pick fights or anything, yeah. but he was willing and the example and the, and the model for
1: all. When I look at it through that, those lens, I, I know there's been a tradition in our church of almost self-flagellation sometimes and, and really relishing the wounds of Christ, and there is a place to appreciate what he went through. But to me that should never be done without looking at him still saying, Bring it on, and yes, it will conquer me, mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> yeah, but I will rise beyond it in order to conquer it. You can give me all the pain, all the anger, all the evil, because those all go together. You can give it. You can give it all. I'll take it, but it's not because I I want that. It's because you have it to give. Give it, but I'm going to go beyond it, and I want to take you with me. Very, very well Holy done. Holy yeah. Week in that regard strikes me as being suddenly, it, there's a positive to it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a convert. I come out of the Presbyterian uh, right. background. So I was in seminary and finished my master's in divinity and was working on a master's in church history and discovered that the entire early church was Catholic, which kind of ruined your career as a Presbyterian minister to become Catholic, I found. But anyway. Yes. yes. Yeah. But one of the things that struck me that was, that's different in the Catholic church is that there's so much physicality and this almost a reverence for the wounds of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's very traditional to have that. And there's a good to it, but it, it's, it also has to be accompanied with the accomplishment. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's not the wounds that are so important, but what he does with them. Yeah. By his wounds, we are
2: healed, right? <laughs> That's what we hear. Yeah. Just to think of the, the theology, I mean, that one, really one drop of his blood would have been enough you know to to heal all the wounds of mankind you know all the all the sins he shed more than that and so willingly and the, the humility of the action the willingness I mean the example that that he gave to us the sorrow of his mother the, the the sorrow of the others i mean there's so much for us to ponder during holy week so you mentioned you know i i agree fully with your with your synopsis and i think we can even Go further if we want by sometimes identifying with with other characters, <laughs> other players who yeah. uh, who were so who, again who accompanied Jesus, who were either well or not, either by falling asleep or by uh, or, um,
1: or you mentioning him m- over Mary, you know the prophecy that a sword will pierce your heart as well. well of course, here's the mother watching her son die. Mm-hmm. She had experienced the revelation of God when the angel Gabriel came. But now the rubber meets the road. Your son is dying on the cross. Not only is that agonizing just to see him go through it, mm-hmm. but there had to be there had to be human moments in there of, yeah. oh, I pray that this really is true. He's coming back, mm-hmm. and you have to almost wonder those first couple of days in the cro- in the in the grave. What did Mary feel? Yeah, the Gospels are silent on that, as we know, but. And this isn't a speculative show, I know no, they even but, call it yeah. but they call it Silent Saturday sometimes yeah.
2: Yeah. because but, of that, so yeah, but we can speculate, but gosh yeah she's uh well, such a deep woman, but the way she's portrayed i mean she yeah. was she humbly accepted she she sorrowed so much, and as you say i mean how how many mothers should be able to hopefully you know to look to Mary yeah, and on the one hand, people say, oh, the holy family, oh, it's so perfect, you know we had these perfect people, yes. But Mary was not spared from so much. She had a perfect son. She was conceived without sin. Joseph, who, who had a, a mean thing to say about him. Yeah. And so it helps us, if, if not necessarily make sense of our difficulties, at least realize that there's you know, somebody who went before us, who, who has gone before us and um, has dealt with much more. Yeah. And how, how did they deal with it? How did good come out of evil?
1: I had a, a girlfriend in college many years ago, and um, she had a brain tumor and eventually succumbed to it. And one of the images from the funeral that I'll, I'll never forget is just the look on her very, very faithful Catholic mother. This is before I was Catholic, so very, what, what are my one of my influences was this woman, but at the same time you saw sorrow, you saw hope, and the hope and the sorrow, you saw both. In her eyes, as she was having her twenty-two-year-old daughter uh, placed in the ground, um, that is the vicarious suffering that we all are asked to have. Holy Week is therefore an encounter with suffering. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the resurrection, okay. because that's the point about the conquest of suffering. It's that the story is not done on Friday; it, it, mm. it is done on. It's not even done. It has a new beginning yes. on Sunday. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Monsignor Doctor, who is the Vicar General for our diocese, and we're having a very stimulating discussion on Holy Week, and we will continue that with the resurrection when we come back.
0: Creating powerful moments on Orange County Catholic
1: Radio. Here's host Rick Howick. I can tell you a, a story about a, a guy who was at a parish I used to attend back in Hammett. His name was Jerry. And Jerry was confined to a wheelchair. He was in his 80s. He couldn't talk anymore. He was a Baptist who had been married to his wife who was Catholic, and they had an agreement that he would take her and the children to the Catholic Mass, and then he would go on Wednesday nights to a Bible study for the Baptists. And Jerry had been going for years, and I saw him there sitting in the wheelchair, and he looked like he was enjoying himself while he was there, and I went up to him. And I asked Jerry, I said, hey, Jerry, you're a Baptist. Do you like being here with all of us doing this whole Mm -hmm. Catholic Eucharist thing? And he nodded his head enthusiastically and smiled at me. And I said, well, Jerry, if you ever want to become a Catholic, let me know. And he (laughs) nodded his head. Mm -hmm. I said, Jerry, are you saying you'd like to become a Catholic? Mm -hmm. And he nodded his head and began to cry. And I looked at his wife, who looked at me with these shocked eyes. I said, have you ever asked him? I said, not in years. And she came back with him the next week and signed me up as his sponsor, and he wanted to go through an abbreviated version Mm -hmm. of RCIA. A couple of weeks later, he was brought into the Roman Catholic Church, and he died about three months after that as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. Now, from my perspective, he may not have ever come to that without going through the suffering he went Mm -hmm. through, the silence that he dealt with, the confinement he had in his wheelchair, and yet the love, because he was now dependent, This most independent man Mm -hmm. who was going to provide for his family now had been dependent for years on his wife and on the good people around him. He was dependent, and that changed his life at the end. Mm -hmm. Why would we want to short-circuit that?
0: For more, go to OCCatholic.com. That's OCCatholic.com. Or visit the Diocese of Orange Facebook page.
1: welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where today it's a beautiful day. And we have been talking about the nature of Christ come to us, suffering through the sufferings he he went through. Now, from a Catholic perspective, we are very good at encapsulating this into Holy Week. And so Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday, and then we have some days that kind of fade until we get to really... Thursday. So tell me just a little bit about how those days all fit together in preparation for Easter. It's the shortest season of the year called Triduum. It's only three days, well, two and a half really. Mm-hmm. What is that all about?
2: Yeah, so we have, I don't know if you ever heard of, just right before the Triduum, have you heard of Spy Wednesday? Yeah. Have you heard that term? yeah. Okay. yeah. I only learned about it in the seminary and, and I mentioned yeah. it to people and they're, Spy Wednesday, what you yeah. You know, when Judas yeah. spied, as we say, Jesus yeah. and Whatever he made his deal, or or that's when the devil entered his heart. So he decided then that he would hand Jesus over. And so, yeah, we start with the the Mass of the Last Supper, as you know. And what is a Mass of the Last Supper? That is remembering the, you know, the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the priesthood. We have the Chrism Mass, where the I mean, that's held. It's flexible, but generally, it's held that you know, in smaller dioceses. it 's on Holy
1: Thursday morning, well, and then the chrism Mass for those who aren 't that familiar, we do a lot with different oils as Catholics, mm-hmm. so we 're slathering people up for different reasons, mm-hmm. whether it 's to anoint them for baptism or for when they 're sick, but we we use oils as a symbol. And a way to convey grace, mm-hmm. and so that's the day in the year when we kind of renew the oils, essentially.
2: Yeah, the new. It's our, so oils are refreshed every year, blessed by the bishop, yeah. the Dawson bishop,
1: and then distributed to the parishes. You know, quickly. So th- there's a dying away of the old oil, so to speak, as we prepare for the new. Right. So we we have that ready to bring to the grave, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then. The procession out on Holy Thursday after the washing of the feet, yes. which is traditional for for that day, there's a procession in most parishes from the normal place where the rest of the Eucharist would be residing, in the little box mm-hmm. that we we have mm-hmm. that, called the tabernacle, that's usually center and back of where the priest does, but it might be off to the side in some parishes. That's removed, not the box, but the the contents. Yeah. And the body of Christ is moved to a different location. Yes. In, in my parish, is it's moved across the street to the hall, mm-hmm. but it's it's a different location. The people follow behind, and everything is stripped. Everything is empty. Yeah. Very stark to see the the church that way. Yes. And that's all pre. So, there's a little last year was
2: different, and this year may be different depending on the on the parish. There's because of the pandemic, but yes, right. otherwise, um, that's the normal year. This year. Stay tuned and ask your yeah. par- your parish pastor. Year. And I was, you know, I, I as I mentioned in other ones, I, I spent a number of years in Rome, a number of, of holy weeks. Yeah. And one of the most special uh, days of the year was Holy Thursday because there's so many churches in Rome, yeah. but they would move it from the tabernacle, and these churches are all old, and so there are a number of side altars yeah, on, on either side of the church. And so there would always be such care taken to prepare the altar, yeah, they'd move the pews around so that you, you could actually look and see and beautiful, so we would just go one church, you know spend seven, eight minutes, there, go to another, wow. and just to see what the, how much of people it seemed, I think mean, you know cared about the yeah. Lord, and then we're going to get everything ready, so yeah, those processions really took a, a deep meaning there, and they do here as well, so yeah, we're leaving where he normally is and going somewhere else, it's not adoration. Really, it, it's it's Jesus being put into a yeah. whatever a temporary tabernacle, but people to you know to pray and and, and be there. The adoration. Where I mean the exp- yeah. I'm sorry it's, exposition, I should say. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite it's not quite not
1: the exactly, same. Right. It's it, it, we're asked to remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. during that time. Will you spend an hour with me? Exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, we're a, as a people, we do need ritual. I mean, as a Protestant, I was raised, oh, a Catholic ritual. It's all, no, there, there's, there's something good about standing and kneeling for those of us who can kneel. Yeah. There's something about standing and kneeling and smells and bells and, yes. and all of the trappings because frankly, we're sensual people. Yes. We experience the Lord, not just in our head. That's Gnosticism. It's not just in our head. It's in our body as well. It's in how we live out our lives, which is why as a married man, I can tell my wife I love her, but if I act out an adultery or something like that with my body, I'm demonstrating the opposite. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, if I tell the Lord I love Him, my body should reflect that as well. And how rich! So these these events during Holy Week, like the processions mm-hmm. with the body of Christ from the normal tabernacle to another place of repose, mm-hmm. those are all important to us.
2: Those are all important to. Well, we won't have this year necessarily, but the you know, the veneration of the cross. And yeah. a good Friday. Yeah. What well, good Friday.
1: What well, we remember. That, we can right. venerate the cross, but without kissing it this year. Yes. You know, yeah, we can, that's right. And we should reflect on what the cross means at that time, which is why we do the stations of the cross as well. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done it at all the Fridays, at least this Friday, if you can, and it doesn't have to, this is something that was explained to me that it was very freeing in some ways. The traditional stations of the cross are, are rich with ritual and, but you can do the Stations of the Cross with simple prayers of your own. as you, Yes. And people don't realize that is a Stations of the Cross. It does count, so to yes. speak.
2: Yeah, and different. Well, John Paul II came yeah. out with his own. Yeah. Well, St. Alphonsus Liguri is one of the, the more popular ones. but
1: um, And if you know what the Stations mean, to have your own prayers for each station, is it can be a very meaningful exercise to do.
2: Yes, absolutely. And yeah. then we go
1: to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Saturday is sometimes called Silent Saturday, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. He's in the tomb. And it's interesting because Friday night, Friday, we have a communion service. We don't have mass.
2: It's the only day of the year.
1: Saturday, we don't have mass during the morning right. because we we will have mass in the evening. But from a Catholic perspective, it's not Saturday anymore once we get past sunset. That's because right. Because we take the Jewish tradition when it comes to assigning days that at sunset, the day changes, not at midnight. So Friday and Saturday, from a Catholic perspective, are without mass because Jesus is in the grave. Right. Exactly. And that ends true to him. So what happens for Catholics Easter night, the night before Easter, the Easter Eve?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's a vigil. I mean, whatever, you know, vigil, keeping watch. But those who are willing to go through the longer service, the longer mass, because of all the, the bringing in of the people, well, in the purest form, only the catechumens, but in the more practical place, sometimes the ca- candidates as well, we are witnessing
1: them there's a very special mass that takes place the, the evening before easter day and that is the easter vigil mass yes it's the longest mass i think we do in in catholicism very ordered and very systematic i mean if you
2: i mean it has so many readings right i said if you look at the readings how they just lead everything to christ i mean starting with genesis they do and then the psalm and then the other reading and then the psalm you have to have at least four that's a, That's the rules.
1: I tell any convert who is looking at becoming Catholic that you should be praying about it, you should be involved with someone who can help answer your questions. But at some point in the process, you need to just observe, mm-hmm. be part of that Easter Vigil Mass. Mm-hmm. So much will make sense
2: <laughs> after does. that Mass. It does, again. And, and with the senses, why? Well, you have the lighting of the Paschal candle, which is replaced, right, at, right. at, at, at that Mass. Yeah. You are the bells, the, the
1: the darkness coming in the dark. That's a real key,
2: which we yeah. almost forgot to say. I mean, the, yeah. the light.
1: The light has come into the world. In that mass, you come in where you're in, in most communities. They don't have any of the lights on. They might have a couple of lights so you don't stumble and fall. Yes. But it's meant to be a dark church. Yes. And it's only w- this lighting of the lights from the candles for a lot of these places that the church begins to take on a glow before they then turn on the lights To represent the coming of Christ into the world. And that's not
2: until the Gloria, right? I mean, that's that's when, yeah, the the readings have come in. I mean, whatever, the prelude readings, the scene is being set.
1: Then it's at that Mass that we not only have, before we have Eucharist celebrated, we celebrate the sacraments of those who've been going through catechetical training. So those who've been going through the formal RCIA process, Mm -hmm. they're being brought into the church, and those who have, specifically who are going to be baptized... That's when we do most of our baptisms is during that mass mm-hmm. and so it's this is a huge mass if someone wants to to see Catholicism at its best that's the mass
2: yes, especially it's a mass it's a three
1: hour mass <laughs> yes, especially if you're in a
2: no, i said i don't want to keep giving Italian references, but i, I would help they're at, good at uh
1: something about Roman but <laughs> a,
2: a couple parishes uh, during during holy weeks so i i studying or working I, I always wanted to go out and hear confessions during holy week but the masses there were maybe an hour and a half because there was usually a place already 90% baptized catholic now I, we can't say everybody's practicing but um, so a lot of these places there was there might have been a baptism of a baby who had been born but it was more for for convenience uh, yeah. Yeah. so uh, so you're you're right in, in the united states where there any any converts, converts anywhere yeah, yeah yeah and they get to feel, and I like to use that word, but the, you know, the support of the community, you get to witness yeah. the support of the community. I've heard these people who have been going through all of Lent, and this is, uh, you know, with the, the scrutinies going on, the right of sending, for the right of election by the bishop, and then the scrutiny. So if this process is done right, I mean, they are preparing themselves. It's also a reminder for the community when these when these questions yeah. are being asked.
1: Um, what do you really believe? Yeah. yeah,
2: what do you really believe? And and. and Here's a culmination of it all at the Easter Vigil, and witnessing by the you know the witness by the people,
1: yeah. and then you have the anointing with oil for the confirming of the Holy Spirit, done by the bishop if he's present, otherwise by those who have been given that special permission from the bishop to anoint with oil, and the confirmations. You have the Mass of Masses, which is why my I didn't I didn't experience that my first couple of years as a Catholic. So I always went to Easter uh, on Easter and the, the, I remember the homilies were just normal regular homilies thinking, you I know, mean, what's the big deal? Turns out it's because the priest is, is tired. <laughs> <laughs> he was up all night. He didn't go to bed till, till one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of priests anyway, because if you just go on Easter morning, it's a beautiful mass to go on Easter morning. Mm-hmm. One of the best experiences my family had was to go to Washington DC to the big basilica there for Easter. We happened to be there for Easter and we were able to be there for Easter morning and it was beautiful Easter morning. But I remember hearing some people talk about they were there that night before for, and it had been absolutely stunning and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we come back, I want to then ask that so what question? Jesus has discovered to not be in the, in the tomb Sunday morning. What does that mean for us? That's where I want to go. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Monsignor Dr. Torzek, who is the vicar general of our diocese. And instead of talking about uh, normal, mundane, legalistic issues, which we will often talk about with him, but we have to, because he's always the authority on most of those things, we're talking today about Jesus and why he's come to us. And I hope that when you come back, you too can embrace a little of this. This has been a very good time. I want to thank you, Monsignor. When we come back, we're going to talk about the resurrected Jesus and what that means to us. You won't want to miss it.
0: Reflections from Father Al Baca, Director for Evangelization and Faith Formation in the Diocese of Orange, California.
3: I need to be evangelized. I need to re-evangelize myself constantly because that is a great deception of that somehow I have made it. You know, somehow, because I uh, recite my rosary, because I go to Mass, these are wonderful things, right? Mass, the the summit, you know, the beginning and the end of the Christian life, the rosary, the weapon of the Virgin Mary given to us, you know, against darkness and, and heresy and so forth. But these do not have the potential filled, if I can say it that way, until that relationship with Jesus Christ is forefront. We all know and remember Father Benedict Rochelle, wonderful wonderful priest. I remember a number of times having conversations with him and and he told me when Catholics love the church first, in other words, when they come to Catholicism and their faith and their religion through the church first, when something goes wrong in the church, a lot of them shatter. When Catholics love Jesus Christ first, he teaches them how to love his church how to love his bride, that's the way he said it. And I thought, that is so profound, because when I love Jesus Christ, then he teaches me how to deal with the wounds, with the disappointments, and with the humanness of the church. But the other way around, it may not be so successful. For more, go to OCCatholic.com.
0: That's OCCatholic.com.
1: And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. And before I go any further, I want to stop for a moment and thank our guest, Father Dr. Monsignor Dr. Thank you so very much for coming in. I know that your schedule is very, very busy. You're involved with so many things. And I know that during this time of COVID, there have been so many changes that have taken place and cutbacks that have had to happen. It's been busier than ever. Thank you for taking your time to come to us. But thank you as well for being willing to go so deep, but so catechetically helpful. In being able to work with us on this very important topic. Well, thank you for being you're here.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. And I'm just grateful. As it, a reminder to me, you know, every this is, happens to be a Thursday, and every Thursday we are giving to you know, the parish, Christ Cathedral Parish, as yeah. this ministry where, you know, we talk about almsgiving giving and charity. They are giving, distributing food and clothing, yeah. and sometimes advice to people down on their luck. So. It's a it's a good reminder for <laughs> people who are you, yeah. for
1: people who are in need on Thursday mornings. If they come to Christ Cathedral, the the back parking lot area I think is probably the easiest way to get in for it. But there's a distribution of uh, foodstuffs to be able to mm-hmm. take home, and of clothing if ne- necessary or needed, mm-hmm. and help and advice for people who are in need of that as well.
2: So the corporal works of mercy are important, and 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 sometimes we just have to walk out and look a little bit and we see a lot of well, this is about living around.
1: as a as a resurrected person yeah. as someone who lives in the resurrection of jesus christ which is where we're going mm-hmm. Yeah. so the gospels are interesting uh that's kind of a an obvious statement but from the specific perspective that it you don't have in here suddenly in the last chapter jesus appears to all of them we get there mm-hmm. <laughs> but not at first you, you have almost a mystery the women discover the tomb is empty that's, a, that's that's an astounding development. It's so human and so realistic mm-hmm. that before he ever announces to them, they're panicked because the body is missing. Mm-hmm. Yet when Peter runs and gets there, he discovers the, the burial cloth mm-hmm. and the, the on a separate location the chin cloth that was wrapped around and put off to the side. And the disciple that Jesus loved, so we assume John, mm-hmm. He sees this and believes, it says. Does that mean that he didn't believe before? Well, not exactly, but he was confirmed, I guess? I, he didn't, it wasn't that the body was just ripped off and everything, it was neatly folded. If you're a, a, a grave robber, you don't neatly fold the garments. So Jesus resurrected from the dead. Why and what does that mean? Well, he conquered death,
2: as you mentioned. It showed that he, he conquered death. He had that power, that that authority over death, and that the death would not have, the last word, and so this empty tomb, Pope Benedict says it, it, it's everything. I mean, this it, it, it's you know, the, the evidence we need, the historical accounts. So it was all there. So everything he said would, was true, right? I mean, it it was confirmation
1: this, of what he said. Yeah, yeah. destroy
2: this temple, and I will raise it in three days. Well, they didn't know he was talking yeah. about the temple of his body. So he was good to his word. It should be an example or a reminder or, or clear to us that well, this is he had this authority. He had this power. He he made good on what he was going to say. Death would not have the final word, and so even for us, it, what do we in our funeral liturgies do? We say that you know, the, for the God's faithful people, life has changed, not ended, yeah. and so it's a similar thing. That and you went back to the Roman times and those examples of well, it's just all right, yeah. right when you. And some people still believe today that once you die, that's the end of it. Just say no. There's so much more. There's so much more to to, to look forward to. It's only its only temporary here. You need to live your life well. You need to follow my teachings, or you should. I'm not going to force you. You have free will. But this brings you to God. You want to follow those teachings if you think we about want to, it. I want to prepare you or to help you to prepare yourself so much on this earth that when when your life ends, no matter when that might be, you're going to be ready. This is not going to be something foreign. You're going to be ready. You're going to want. There might be some purification that's needed before, but you're going to... One, this beatific vision is something that is going to be attractive and and something that not repulsive, but something that you want to go towards. And so does it take faith? Sure, it takes faith, but this is what is coming
1: to mind as you ask. What I do in my spare time is write a dissertation. I've been writing it for a while now. I'm working on Tertullian, and I'm interested in some of his motivations. But in reading what he's written about, say, martyrdom, for example... There's nothing negative. It's all positive. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you should seek it out from the perspective of you should throw yourself and kind of commit a martyr, a suicide. But he's saying, don't be afraid of it. And in fact, embrace it. God is giving you a great gift in in multiple ways to show other people what it is to have faith, to end your life in a way that testifies to God, to be willing to sacrifice your life as Jesus did. Mm Mm-hmm. But he also gives advice to those who don't end up as martyrs. Live your life as if you are. Your life is not your own, so live each day Mm -hmm. as if you're bringing one more person to to understand who Jesus is through how you live. Mm -hmm. As as Francis is said to have said, preach the gospel always and if necessary use words. Live it out as a resurrection people. You're part of Christ's resurrection if you're part of him. Mm -hmm. He adopted you. Paul uses the image that we are part of his body yes. and the Holy Spirit that comes to us in Pentecost, which I hope we can have you back when can talk about uh, Pentecost and what that means, mm-hmm. but it, it grafts us all together so that kind of below the surface, I am connected to you at the spiritual level. We have our own individual spirits, but the Holy Spirit still unites us in, into one body of Christ. We're asked to live that way and have faith in living that way. You're a a priest in the Diocese of Orange. How often do you really see that lived up by the average Catholic? And if, as I suspect, there are a number of people you've seen who don't strike you as living quite that way, Mm -hmm. what advice do you have this Easter for us to regain it? Yeah, we try to look
2: at the positive as much as possible because there are a lot of people who are really trying to live their faith, but we were invited by Christ. And and some, sadly, have been away for a long time. Some have been away. The pandemic has kept them away. And they feel disconnected because even though if they're going to be watching things on live stream, it's not the same. But the church wants to be here for you. And what a time in in Lent and now in Holy Week and Easter, this time to reflect on what Christ has done for us and and what this means. And we've tried to glean a little bit of of what this means. Uh, There's so much in the scriptures. There's so much that Jesus will talk to our hearts if we listen and to, to get to your point of, of, yeah, what if somebody's not listening? Well, we have reconciliation, don't we? <laughs> we have that sacrament of reconciliation. I have to say, it's impressive that we are seeing people, you know, not in yeah. small numbers who are, yeah. who are coming back and, and realizing that you know, without this mercy of God, you know, where would I be? <laughs>
1: yeah. There for the grace
2: of God go I.
1: If we believe that God is real and we believe that he came as one of us to invite us back to God, then the claim on our lives is complete and total. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're reminded of that in in ways that are not always comfortable. As I said before, one of the aspects of the COVID virus has been this reminder Mm -hmm. that, you know, we we live in our lives normally where we don't have to be associated too much with suffering and death. And in fact, I think that's behind uh, a lot of the drive toward euthanasia uh, that, well, if you're suffering too much, just put you out of your misery. But COVID has reminded people you want to live, mm-hmm. and you would rather not get COVID because it's a horrible way to die. Mm-hmm. And even when after the vaccine takes most of the fear away, sh- God willing, soon, we shouldn't forget that God is present in our daily lives. If you believe that, then this is the day to turn it over to God, yes. this day and every day hereafter.
2: Yes, and so that invitation is there, and what is... Or John Paul II's first words, you know, "Be not afraid," and so yeah, we, it doesn't mean that we take unnecessary risks or whatever, you know that we're putting ourselves in harm's way. But I mean, to come back and, and worship in community, you know, with the safeguards in place for now, that means a lot. Yeah, and th- this whole community aspect too. I don't want to get off the point here, but no, it's
1: you know, I, I, but I, it's
2: it is an important point. This community aspect, and I think, gosh, I mean, I've seen some people at Ash Wednesday. I've not seen you in a year. Well, we've been watching and we have enjoyed your homily. I said, are you sure you're watching? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you said you enjoyed my homily, but um, you were watching Father Smith, right? that's <laughs> right. But uh oh, you know, it's so good. Now we feel comfortable coming back. So good. Um so slowly slowly, but um
1: but it, and It's time to come you. back regardless of of why you've been away. Yeah. It's time to come back. Now, what that means is different to different people. Some of us can't come back until we are better safeguarded sure. physically. But what I mean by that is it's time to come back to Christ in our hearts Yes. and to follow that through as we are able with the sacraments, Yes, that physical, spiritual encounter with Christ. As I said before, we don't experience Christ just in our minds. That's Gnosticism. Right. We experience Christ in our minds and bodies. That's yes. Christianity.
2: Yes, well, very, very well said.
1: Monsignor Dr. Zick, I want to thank you again for coming in. Before we go, would you please lead us in a word of prayer and would you... Part your blessing. I sure will.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We thank you, good and gracious God, for your, your many gifts, for the example you are on earth, for the teachings you gave us, the witness you gave us in your three years of public ministry, for your willingness to suffer greatly and have stones thrown at you and, and ultimately die for us and rise again. May we take this opportunity during this period of Lent, these closing days, to reflect as much as possible on your gift and to do our best to renew our relationship with you, to invite you closer into our hearts, and to take the steps to continue to foster our relationship, and may it grow so that we may be always on fire fervent for you, ready to give everyone an answer for the reason for our joy and to live as you would want. We pray for everybody who's listening, those who may still who may be homebound, uh, who are fearful of coming back, for, and sometimes for good reason. Uh, we, we ask you to give them a sense of peace, peace of mind and peace of heart, and thank you for everybody who is, is listening this day. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit Spirit. come upon you and
1: remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you very, very much. This has been a fantastic hour talking about the movement from dark into light, from Lent into Easter, until then, why it is that we live in the resurrection of Christ. If you would like to share this podcast, now that you've listened to this, with someone else, you can find this at orangecountycatholicradio.com, occatholic.com. At OCCatholic.com, you will find us under the radio tab. When you go to the radio tab, there are a number of radio programs we produce. We, of course, produce this flagship show, OC Catholic. When you find that there, we will have this up shortly, and you can then listen to that or forward that on to somebody else as a podcast. Uh, Monsignor Dr. Torsik, again, thank you very much for being here. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.
0: a word of inspiration from Father Christopher Smith, Rector and Episcopal Vicar of Christ Cathedral and host of the Cathedral Square
4: radio show. We are all familiar with the word grace. Grace is an essential part of our Catholic life. Grace has to do with the movement of God within us. Grace is dynamic. Grace is God taking us somewhere. Grace is God showing us something. Grace is God reminding us. Of something or revealing something to us, or grace is a solution to a problem. Grace is providing us with reassurance, healing us, reconciling us, nourishing us. Grace is God calling us to something. Grace is a gift, it cannot be earned. At the same time, it helps if we are open to receiving it. Saint Augustine once said that grace builds upon nature. And what that means is that grace has to do with us and grace works with what it has to work with. A major part of our spiritual life then is to be open to God's grace and to let God's grace work within us. In these challenging times, It might be helpful for us to think about grace from the perspective of the spirituality of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. This spirituality encourages us to pray for specific graces in specific circumstances of our lives and to pray for the openness to receiving whatever those graces may be. For example, the global coronavirus pandemic could prompt us to pray for the grace of patience as the ever-changing discoveries about the virus and the constantly changing guidelines for stopping its spread can continue to sometimes confuse us and weary us. The economic hardships that so many are experiencing now could invite us to pray for calmness in this time of the unknown. We could also pray for the grace of trusting in God through these hard times. With so many daily routines that are disrupted and families spending more time together, we could pray for the grace of cooperation in households. We could also pray for the grace of wisdom to guide us in our decisions. The recent unrest in the streets of our cities could urge us to pray for the grace of restraint, We can pray for the grace of cautiousness in situations of intense pressure to refrain from responses that will create more harm than the initial provocations. This is a time when the events of the world could provoke feelings of anger, fear, confusion, doubt and even desperation. At the same time with God's grace It could also be a time of patience, calmness, trust in God, cooperation, restraint, cautiousness, wisdom, and even more. What is a specific grace that you might pray for this very day? This is the exact time to open ourselves to receiving grace and let God's grace do its amazing work.
0: For more, go to OCCatholic.com or come find us at the Diocese of Orange Facebook page.